Hello and welcome to the Gemcast on Hologram Radio. This is Alex Knight, and I am joined by Aline Sims, formerly of the Less Than or Equal podcast, and science fiction writer Kay Tempest Bradford. In season three, episode 11, Riot's Hope. When Riot's mother collapses from stress, he is revisited by his rejecting strict father, and they begin to fight constantly. It's up to Jem to try and mend their relationship. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. Showtime, Synergy! Okay, so we are at the second-to-last episode, episode 64. (laughs) I know, I know. We're getting close. It's written by Roger Sliffer, another returning gem writer. And this is, I think this episode is up there with some of my favorite episodes. It's obviously the content of the episode. It's it's a pretty serious, heavy episode with lots of, uh, just a full spectrum of emotions. Yeah, I like it yeah. though, because we finally get to learn why Riot is such an overcompensating jerk face. Absolutely. This is true. This is true. Although, I, as I was thinking about these last episodes and and sort of the the arc of things, I began to wonder if again this episode showed out of the order from which it was originally written, because, well, we can get into it later. But it, it just made me wonder because there was another episode this season where like they were talking about Regine and Regine hadn't been introduced yet, and I'm like, oh, that was out of order. So I I kind of wonder if this one was out of order too. It might be. Netflix is a bit strange. I, I don't know if either of you noticed that uh, the episode listings for, for season three, it actually ends on episode 13, but A Father Should Be is actually episode 12. I'm not sure what happened. I think the the first two episodes, I don't know how they broke them up. There must have been like a part one and part two somewhere with the way they numbered well, things. And American mm-hmm. Netflix, um, they're listed in the right the, the right order in terms of like a riot, riot's hope coming before A Father Should Be. So, yeah, it, I, but I don't know, because I, I feel like um, on the DVDs, these two are, you know, put together as well. So I think that I just wondering if there was a, an intentional order from the writers or the producers or whatever, but then there was an air order and that's what the DVDs and that's what Netflix is going with, which is the air order. Yeah, and I actually liked, I will get into this in the next and final episode of the entire series, but I like that they actually made a callback to this episode. And they yeah. actually have returning characters in the last episode. It's like they discovered continuity all of a sudden. I know. Isn't, yeah, that, isn't it, that incredible? It was kind of weird. <laughs> okay, so let's let's just jump right in. The opening scene, I mean, really, I feel, sets the tone for this entire episode. But we get to see Riot's father, and we get a glimpse of what his childhood was like. And I definitely, and I imagine this is the intent of the the author in this episode that like I, I did sympathize with riot and I could understand why he is the way he is because of the, the rough upbringing that he had. Yeah. It's weird. Cause like the, the instant we're shown the father, we are shown that we are not supposed to sympathize with him. One itty bitty mm-hmm. tiny bit. Like he's reading this newspaper and the newspaper hilariously is like middle East heats up. And I feel like, it's such an interesting thing mm-hmm. that a newspaper and a cartoon drawn in the 80s could be like, the Middle East, there's problems. And, and we could be like, that could be at any time, including now, which uh, I don't know. Yeah. So he's reading this and then he's, he starts yelling about those people and how they should just be bombed. And, and I'm like, man, Trump supporter from yep. like 1982. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this so is a weird. mess. We got to bring out the big guns. Right. And then we have this, you know, his wife who's just like, mm-hmm, yes, dear. And that's such a that that's just a very recognizable dynamic. You know, yep. some some older dude who's like yelling at the paper and uh, about what should be done to those people over there. And a woman who's just like, I'm just going to say whatever it takes to calm him down, because if I don't calm him down, bad stuff is about to happen. Yep. Yeah, I mean, she seems like uh, she's just, I mean, she doesn't say much. And she's like, the oh, she comes from that generation where she's supposed to be a quiet wife. Riot's mom is from sort of the generation that where you would expect like women to just be like, yes, dear. But also, and this is made very clear in this episode, Riot's father is abusive. Like yep. he's just a straight up abuser. And this woman is has been married to this straight up abuser since forever. And so... 
what it seems like to me is that she's she knows how to manage him in order for her not to get beat up. Yep, exactly like what I was going to say. Yeah, that's exactly the way it comes across. Right. And Riot's father gives the impression that it's all Riot's fault that and and he talks, he speaks on behalf of his wife without letting his wife talk, which is infuriating. Yeah. And it's and it's so weird because you know, clearly she loves her son and she wants him to be around and she's so excited when he shows up in the back of the house unexpectedly and she does like a little bit try to you know rein her husband in because she just doesn't want her son to walk away again because you know i guess it's been years since she's even seen him yeah it's been five years yeah so you know just the fact that she even put up just that little bit of effort to try to like get her husband to quit it given the fact that he's so abusive just shows like how how much she has been hurting because of you know and what's really annoying is you know later on the episode they sort of make it sound like it's equally their fault both right and his dad you know the the fact that their mother is in so much emotional pain but it's really not it's not it's not that mm-hmm. actually bothered me we'll have to talk about that a little bit later on but yeah it's it absolutely is not especially when you've you know, as the audience, because you've seen, I guess, obviously it's a bit different for Jim because she, she's been told this story, but as the audience, we get to see in great detail what his life was like. In this in this scene here at the beginning, Riot shows up at, at their doorstep. He had not seen them for five years. His mother seems to be happy to see him. His father obviously is not, and he shows up with a gift, uh, and it is uh, the Stinger's first album. And his father just completely just denounces him and obviously does not approve of his career choice. Doesn't he say something about how singing is for sissies or is that later? That's that is later on. Later. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it just is like, he's like, Oh, call that whatever. And I'm like, man, you know, and I understand like this, this dad, he's just all the way into a corner of badness, but I kind of feel like at least he could be like, a whole album, eh? Have you made a million dollars yet? Something. I don't know. <laughs> but he's not having it because he's like, no, music is terrible. All right, Dad, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it made me wonder because he fits that stereotype of the, I don't know, the the dude listening to big band music and whatever. Um, and so I thought, well, I wonder if that isn't part of, if if he doesn't accept music in any way or if his son is just too manly it was right i don't know it was odd to me yeah Um, you know it's yeah i i I don't know you know i'm always reminded i'll never forget um what my grandmother even even (laughs) that's so funny because i i remember like even into her 70s to this like in modern times when she was asked like you know i would talk to her about what she thought about elvis and she was still in the mindset of no man should move his hips that much. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so the holograms end up getting invited to this party for the stingers. And I thought this was hilarious, but did you notice that Kimber, uh, well, first of all, Jem says, I'm going to go see Riot and congratulate him. And Kimber says something like, Oh, give give Riot a kiss for me. She totally has a crush on him. Is that a new thing? I don't remember her crushing on on Riot. Well, at the very first she did. Like, remember when she and Jerrica went to go see the Stingers for the first time just to check them out? Jerrica was the one sitting at the table going, like, what is wrong with people? And Kimber was throwing panties at the stage. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Kimber, you know, at first was like, you know, sort of into Riot. But here's why I think that this episode is not in the place narratively that it should be. Because, first of all, it's like the the party for the Stingers' first album. But hasn't their first album been out for quite a while? Like, that's why they, like, need regimes. Well, I don't think this is a party for the first album. I think this, I I have a feeling it, well, maybe it is. No, it is. It is. I guess it is. That's why. That doesn't make any sense. Because brought the album to mom. And, like, this is the party to celebrate. Like, that's exactly what this party is. But how did they get insanely popular without a, a, a release of an album? I don't. Right. That doesn't make That's any sense. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that this this episode comes at the end of this season narratively. Like it may have aired at the end of the season, but I think it was intended to go earlier. 
for this reason. And also because, um, because Jem, well, because Kimber's like, oh, I think Jem still has a crush on Riot. And Jem still is kind of crushing on Riot. And Riot has already kidnapped her by this point. Yeah. And so I kind of feel like, and, and every episode since the episode where he kidnapped her, she's just been like, right, get away from me. You're a jerk. But in this episode, she's actively and annoyingly, and we'll talk about this in a second, chasing after him still, so- sort of. So I feel like this episode was actually intended to come way earlier in the show, in this season, because Jem is still kind of like being on the fence about Riot. And um, he hasn't kidnapped her yet. Their first album just came out. You know, that's what I think. And mm. and I wonder if somebody made a decision somewhere because Riot's father shows up in the next episode. But they're like, well, kids won't remember mm-hmm. from three episodes ago. So we have to put him here. Like, I don't know. But yeah, yeah it just doesn't I, I make any it. sense. I, I believe it. Jem goes to talk to Riot and he is not his effusive self, is he? He's looking pretty down and you see him, he's like sipping on a cocktail or whatever, and he's looking into the cup, sees a, sees a reflection, I think, of his mother there. And we get the first music video of this episode, which is Take It or Leave It, which is a fantastic song. It is, but it's also a repeat. And I was like, they are already repeating Stinger songs. We haven't even gotten out this season, and already we're repeating it. But actually... That also makes me wonder if that's why they moved this episode because take it or leave it like is the in the first or second episode of the stingers hit town. And so that I guess was really close. Mm. This is also the only episode where all the songs are stinger songs. I liked it. Yeah. So no complaints from me. Yeah, so I guess I don't I don't know. I think maybe that has something to do with it. But yeah, we get take it or leave it. Which actually, I don't even think really fits right here. You know? Yeah, it, it was kind of weird. And the, I don't know, I thought the art style was so much harsher and different from the the regular art style for this video, too. And it, it felt really jarring to me. Um, the, the song felt out of place and the art style felt out of place and kind of weird, I guess. I didn't feel the song was out of place, but I can see that like there are there are moments with some of the lyrics where it seems like it doesn't quite fit in. But I think I, I think it's fine. I mean, you know, because you get to see what's going on in the music video, and and Ryan's father's clearly in it, and he's and he's mad at him and stuff like that, and grabs his father. Looks like he's gonna punch him in the face. So I I, I thought the song was was fine. I mean, I, I didn't have any issues well, I, with it fitting in. I feel like the reason why I didn't think it fit here is because even though like Riot's dad was in the video, it didn't seem like he was singing it to his dad. It seemed like he was singing it at Jim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And so I was like, why is he talking about Take It or Leave? Like, all she did was ask him if he was okay. You know, like, that's the thing. It's like, it, the song does not seem a correct response to what's going on in the scene. Yeah. If the song had happened when he was still at his parents' house, maybe then I could be like, okay. You know, because... Because the first time we heard the song, the song was all about being a jerk ass. <laughs> Quite honestly, like if we're going to get into it, that song was about how they were like, we're going to be jerks and you just have to accept it because we're fancy and famous. It takes on a very different tone in this context, but it doesn't make sense for basically any conversation that he would be having with Jem. Okay, fair enough. So moving on, the after the video, Riot's father walks in and punches him in the face and said, it's all your fault. Well, your mother is in the hospital. Of course, the police or the security guards come to take him away. And he's, his dad puts up a fight. And the holograms come up to him and say, I didn't even realize you had a father. <laughs> like, <laughs> immaculate conception. I Okay. I mean, if anybody was going to be immaculately conceived... It would probably be Riot. I mean, Granted, I yes. Oh, no, we'll give you that. He's, he is perfection. <laughs> but yeah, so everybody's everybody's super concerned. Also, do you notice that Minx and Rapture don't even get to say things? Like they show, they sort of stand there looking concerned as Riot's I, father punches them out and whatever, but they don't get to say things. <laughs> I really appreciated that about it. Actually, I've I've been a little bit overloaded on the two of them lately and their shenanigans. So it was kind of 
kind of nice for them to be in the background <laughs> this time. Well, I think especially yeah. with Minx after she turned good in that that previous episode, I think she she maybe took a vow of silence. She'll become a nun be soon. It. That could be it. <laughs> well, I do want to make one note before we leave this party scene um, that I was going to talk about before, which is Jem like being ridiculous about Riot not paying attention to her. And I'm like, Jerrica, can we just, can you just not? Mm-hmm. Can we have one episode where you're not sending mixed attention. signals and the center of attention? Like she's really mad that Riot's not paying attention to her. And I'm like, lady, you told him no. You told him to get out. You almost pushed him off the Windharp cliff. Like what? It, but like she, <laughs> she really remember. just can't, she really just can't deal with men not paying attention to her. Like it, I, no. I just, and then she ugh. gets frustrated when they do. And then she's you like, know? no one loves Jerrica. It's like, well, you know, Jerrica doesn't yeah. throw herself at men. How about that, silly woman? I gotta say, I love her dress. I love her dress. The poofy pink party dress. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It, it, just, That's a good it was dress. amazing. Yeah, that dress is a good dress. I don't, I, I can't remember what Shayna and the others were wearing, but I do remember that Kimber was wearing that ridiculous outfit from when they had the pro-America songs. Yeah, it looked like a 4th of July down-home right. country. Yeah. I'm like, Kimber, what are you doing? Like yeah. in the last few episodes, they're like, we're bringing back all the fashions. Remember that episode? It's like, please, I wanted to forget. What are you doing? Yeah. She attempts to have a meaningful conversation, I guess, to try to make some sense or talk some sense into her, uh, into Riot's father. But uh, yeah, you can see how difficult he is. I mean, he tries to explain, you know, all I ever wanted was a family, just a normal you know, family and children, whatever, and, you know, our, our family life at the beginning, you know, when Riot was really young was fine. We would, you know, go, go out into the country. We would have picnics and do stuff together. But it was when, you know, things took a nosedive when Riot got interested in music, which is, it's just so, it's so bad. Like that is the thing that made you despise your son. And there's more, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot more that, that we don't know. And they'll slowly... Uh, unravel bits of that later on in this episode but uh man it's just you can see how difficult his father is yeah and also how good his father is at complete denial of his own culpability and things because mm-hmm. like even even in this scene before we know the whole story when he's like everything was great until blah blah it's like um sir you're abusive you are an abuser i'm sure that everything wasn't all that great just that everybody was afraid of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, both it's, verbally and mm. physically abusive. Yeah. And Riot, uh, there's there's a very quick glimpse of Riot walking by this cafeteria or restaurant, whatever the hell they are. And Jem's like, I, I'm sorry, I got to go. And her, his father says, you know, figures, you know, one of Riot's friends doesn't want to hear the truth. This guy is impossible. Mm-hmm. Well, he's an abuser and he's angry and i'm sure he's also worried about his wife which is um a complicated set of emotions to deal with when you're a manly man who's not allowed to have emotions so you yep. take it out somewhere yeah and poor riot's mother she's like in a coma she's in a coma literally from having to deal with this man for all these years like riot walks into her room she's just asleep and they're like well she'll be fine but maybe <laughs> Or not. Like, what? Or not. Like, what? There's there's yeah. no reason for her to be like this. Yeah. Um. Can we can we comment on, on Baby Riot and his Baby Riot hair? <laughs> it yes, is just we, so cute. When we finally get to the flashbacks of Riot talking about his childhood and little itty bitty Riot, so adorable. <laughs> yeah, well, Baby and Riot. It's, it's in when he's when dad's talking too. He's like, all I wanted to have was the perfect family. And he's got this little like little toddler with this white blonde curly hair. And I was just like, oh, that's pretty cute. And I've got to say, right, it was a cute baby. I, I wish they actually, I mean, he didn't, doesn't say anything. Young Riot doesn't actually say anything, but I really wish he did. It'd be funny if it's like, when is my perfection, daddy? <laughs> <laughs> No son of mine is going to be this egotistical. Right? I mean, you know, if it had been that, if he had been like, I got angry with my son because he kept walking around the house going, I am the perfect man. It's like, no, you're not. You ain't cleaned the dishes yet, son. 
get in there and clean those dishes. And he's like, no, yeah. perfection does not get his hands shriveled with palm olive. But no, that's not what the fight was about. <laughs> so Jem tries to console Riot and she's like, do you want to talk about this? And she's like, I'll, I'll let me drive you home. So she drives Riot home to his apartment or whatever and uh, he invites her in for coffee. She parks where she wants before we get to coffee and what that's right. insinuating. Like, right. It's just like I'm driving the Rockin' Roadster. I park where I want. And she parks and gets out and does whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, that's not how this works. That's an ambulance-only zone, Jim. Right? What Jim, that's doing? the handicapped parking space in front of Riot's condo. Which, <laughs> since when do they have a condo? I thought they, whatever. But anyway, yeah, yes. I wondered about that, too. She just, she she literally just rolls up to the front door of everything. It's like, whoop, let's go. Yep. I thought it was cool that, that we actually get to see where he lives, though. But didn't they have like a house or something? Uh, I don't I know. Maybe that was just like a practice, uh, like a the place where they practice. <laughs> their practice home. Yeah, they have. Oh, right, they had. <laughs> yeah, it was like a you know, it's a place where the, you know they they get to they get to jam or whatever, and then they have I don't know they got like a a, a room with like a, a futon on the floor or something where they sleep. Well, maybe uh, maybe that's true because remember in the episode when R Riot did kidnap Jem. And and where were Minx and Rapture lounging around the Starlight Mansion for some reason? Mm -hmm. You know, just like they had nowhere else to be. So clearly, they don't live anywhere. Like they live on Riot's whim. So Riot lives in a a one bedroom condo, and maybe sometimes they're allowed to sleep on the couch. But otherwise, it's like Minx, you go find you a man to sleep with tonight. That's where you're getting your bed. And Rapture will con somebody out of their mansion for a week, like Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop Two. That's a great movie. Speaking of which, actually, just on a bit of a tangent there, uh, I was watching a, oh God, I don't remember. No, it wasn't a documentary, but they were talking about the, uh, one of the famous recording studios where Prince recorded a bunch of his albums. And he famously, he was so focused on recording and getting stuff done that he wouldn't for like an entire span of, I don't know, six months to a year, wherever, how long it took to record this album, he actually slept at the recording studio. They had a room set up in the back with like a little cot for Prince. Like, I just can't imagine Prince sleeping in this cot in a recording studio. It's crazy. But I mean, maybe Riot was doing something like that. Maybe. And of course, you know, it was Prince's cot. So it was like some really, really fancy upscale cot with like fringes and stuff glitter. like that. Lots of glitter. But yeah, a lot of glitter. But, you know, I actually think that that's not super uncommon for really dedicated artists because I remember reading the same thing. So I was reading the autobiography of Slash of Guns N' Roses. And yes, Slash has an autobiography and it's actually a much better read than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Slash is um, Ghostwriters for Erudite. So Slash was talking about when they were recording um, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 and how they took over this one recording studio. I think it was The Plant I think that's what it was called. But anyway, um, they basically took it over because they had all this, you know, recording to do and all this stuff. And Axl Rose actually pretty much just made that place his home for the months that they were recording that album. The rest of them, you know, slept elsewhere. But Axl was there like 24-7. And so there was a room that he slept in and there was a room that he like, you know, entertained guests in. And then there were rooms where they actually recorded things. And so I feel like it's not super super uncommon for that to happen so i could see riot like taking over some recording studio somewhere and just being like i will live here this place lives up to my perfection yeah absolutely and you're as right close it, as any place can <laughs> yeah i don't think it is that uncommon uh because you're right yeah i've heard of of other musicians doing something like that you know th this whole moment in the car where riot invites jim up for coffee i just can't couldn't help but think of that that one episode of Seinfeld where George is on a date with someone and, uh, you know, drops her off at, at, her, at her apartment and she's like, do you want to come up for coffee? He's like, no, thanks. Co coffee keeps me up at night. I just, I was waiting for Jem to say something like that. Coffee. We all know that coffee is just code for sex. Exactly. I mean, this is why in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, like the hot coffee fix was all about, you know, ladies inviting your character into the house for coffee and then you having sex with them. But in this case, it actually was coffee. 
because Raya is that just was what like, was weird about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And he's just having uh, he's like not interested in anything but having just a regular conversation. And the two of them are talking about about his childhood. And Jim asks him, "Were you close with your family?" And then he goes into this whole spiel. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about this is that I I wonder I wonder why they decided to go with this kind of episode for this character given the other characterizations they have of him. Because, yeah, it is kind of, you know, you can make the the connection between, you know, his horrible abusive childhood and his father not wanting him to do music and then him rebelling and then him being like, I'm going to compensate by just being super overconfident. But as we have talked about before, Riot is also like deeply creepy in some ways. But in this episode, he's a perfect gentleman. You know, he invites her for coffee and they actually do drink coffee. She says she's cold. He builds her a fire. They have these conversations and he doesn't once like say anything gross or try to come on to her or tell her that she should stay overnight or anything like that. And so I'm like, did they intend for this character to like do something else to be like, it's, it's weird. It, it kind of doesn't jive. Even mm-hmm. though I like it. I know. I was totally waiting for him to say, Come closer, German. Let the embers of my flesh warm you. I appreciated that they actually animated the coffee maker. You could see the coffee. Yeah, that true. was a nice He's detail. turning the... Yeah. Right, yeah. and he, he has a fancy coffee maker. Like, that's not drip coffee. That's not a Mr. Coffee. It's like he an espresso machine or something. an espresso machine in the 80s. Okay, it's not common. That was not common. So... Yeah, and also his condo, which is like clearly like an apartment. It's like a loft. Condo. It's like one of those big law expensive lofts. And he's right. got art. And, you know, he's got like scul- sculptures and stuff like that, and expensive art in there. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So, Riot or Rory, as we come to understand, which is his his birth name, uh, he starts talking about how when he was young, you know, he was close to his father initially, and then uh, you know, up until he got a little bit older and realized he had his own opinions and his father disagreed with him. And he talks about how when he started getting interested in music, it all had to do with his mother teaching him how to learn the piano. And we get this awful scene. You get to see how abusive his father is where he grabs his son. I don't know how old he is, but I'm going to guess maybe five years old. He grabs his son, but like this... He grabs he grabs his son, like picks him up with one hand and like starts spanking him and says, no son of mine is going to learn how to, you know, play the piano. That's for women and sissies. And that as awful as that was, I just wanted to be like, sir, what? Like, right. What? I know you don't listen to the top 40, but really? Yeah, and and apparently that was only the beginning because the next scene you see Riot is a little bit older and he's learning how to play the guitar and his father walks up to him and smashes the guitar. And this guy is an asshole. Yeah, it's it's very disturbing. Mm -hmm. And and this is part of why I kind of get really annoyed with the end of this story because we don't really address this. You know, it's kind of positive as well. Riot's father. You know, he just disagreed. They disagreed. And and he didn't like music. And it's like, yeah, he didn't like music, but he also beat this child mm-hmm. and then, like, destroyed his belongings. And that's not okay. Like, none of this is okay. But this show doesn't really address it as, as directly as they should, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I like the comment uh, where Riot makes that... Uh, his mother was never strong enough to stand up to his dad. I like it that he's defending her. And I like that they make it very clear that it was the, it was all the father's fault and nobody else's. This is true. And, you know, it makes me wonder if the person who wrote this episode, if he is at all familiar, like intimately familiar with abusive families, maybe or, you know, the people who live in abusive households, because I mean, all this is seems very textbook. Well, I mean, if it wasn't about yeah. him, it could have been, uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, as you know, Tempest with, with writers, I mean, you borrow from your, a lot from your own experiences or possibly other experiences of people, you know, uh, and that adds to, that can add to the realism of the, of the story, right? Put a slightly different spin, change a few names or whatever, but like you can find inspiration in real life all the time. 
So that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, his his father is like a military, obviously a career military man. And so he even talks about, I think a little bit later on, uh, how they moved around a lot and stuff like that. And he didn't have a lot of friends. And obviously his father, I think all this stems from his father constantly pushing him to join the military. You know, he's one of those, he's one of those fathers that, you know, I want, I want my, my son to follow in my footsteps and, you know, be it the family business or whatever, but um, yeah, he's this, he's this over overbearing like macho guy. I don't even know how to describe that type of character, that archetype of that type of you know guy. But uh, yeah, I I, I kind of wish though they they went. I mean, obviously they were limited with time, but I really wish it was two parter so that we can kind of get to see maybe a little bit more about Riot's father. You know, what was his life like? Because maybe he had PTSD. You know, I'll, I'll, I remember watching this uh, documentary with Patrick Stewart. I don't know if you either of you have seen it, where he actually starts researching his abusive father's past. And he sort of comes to terms, even though he, he doesn't excuse his father's abusive behavior, but he at least comes to terms with it and understands, like, why he behaved he, the way he did that, it turns out that he, when he came back from the war, he was completely changed and he had PTSD. But back then they didn't, like the PTSD thing, like nobody knew what it was. They just, like there was no diagnosis for that. He was shell-shocked. Yeah, shell-shocked. They called it shell-shock, right? But he never had the treatment and the therapy that he needed to get through those those issues too. So maybe, I, I'm, again, I'm just extrapolating here, but maybe that's that's what happened with, with Riot's father. Honestly, I don't care. I, um, and I, I understand that I'm looking at it from the lens of someone in 2017 and not 1987. Um, but you know, at some point you make choices and you behave the way you behave and, um, definitely socialization and, 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 societal pressure and all of that stuff plays into it. But what he is doing is unacceptable and it doesn't matter if he had PS PTSD or whatever, again, through the lens of 2017, he should have been in counseling and seeking help and learning how to deal with his anger and coming to terms with the fact that his perfect bouncing baby boy liked music mm -hmm. of all the things in the world. Like he wasn't, he wasn't doing illicit drugs. He wasn't, you know, I don't know, getting drunk and driving and killing people. He was playing the guitar. And let's talk about the issues surrounding that, you know? And again, 30 years distance on that. But yeah, I I don't want an episode that explains why he is the way he is. I don't care. Um, hmm. He needs to stop. I, I agree I'm not excusing his behavior, but I'm just saying like, because oftentimes this show like has PSA messages and I feel like there is like a moral to the story that they're trying to, uh, they're, that they're trying to pass off to the kids that are watching this so, show. So I don't know. I just felt like if there, if there maybe if there was a part two that went into that and showed him trying to get therapy or something, I don't know. I thought maybe they could do something with that, you know, send a message to, to maybe to, to kids that have, that are in those types of situations where they may have a parent like that. I don't know, like maybe they could relate to it or something. So Riot talks about how he finally ends up enlisting and getting uh, basic training, but uh, from day one, he, he hated it. And eventually, he ends up going AWOL. But first, he meets this really cool band called Nirvana. Yeah, he discovered Nirvana. Oh my Nirvana. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. Really? And and I didn't remember that, but now that I say I'm like, wow, that's hilarious. <laughs> Nirvana. Yeah, I I actually looked up to see when the Nirvana we know was founded, um which was I think maybe a year prior to this and definitely before they gained momentum, but I was like that was a little serendipitous. That was interesting. Yeah. And is it Minx that was in Nirvana? Yes, Minx. Minx was the keyboard player. So basically what it was is that that other dude who was fronting the band that was clearly Dave Grohl, 
And uh, and then after Riot took over his band, he went back to Seattle pouting and met Kurt Cobain. And he was like, we should form a band. We'll call it Nirvana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, bigger than the Stingers. And so, Kurt Cobain was like, who? I guess what what happens in this scene is Riot's obviously he's watching the band play. And then for some reason, the guitar player, I don't remember what happened with the guitar player. He left or for some reason he was unable to play. And then Riot just. No, he like, left. He, he left. Okay. Yeah. He was, he was, he was late. Yeah, yeah. 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 And they kicked in. They told him he couldn't cause he was like constantly late. Yeah. Right. And then they're like, oh, For shit, gigs. we need a guitar player suddenly because we need to play. And then Riot picks up the guitars like, I'll play. And then he impresses them all. And they say, well, maybe he should permanently join the band. That ever happened. I talked him into going and then, AWOL. And then <laughs> we get to see. And this is like a slow buildup of like Riot's hubris. I'm better than everyone. I don't need to be rhythm. I don't need to be the background. I, oh I meant God. to be the lead. But here's the thing, though. Like, this being in this band gave him this awesome confidence. Um, and also, quite honestly, growing up with the kind of father that he had, why, you know, it, it makes sense for him to just be like, no, I have to just insist upon my own rightness. Right. Yeah, or, absolutely. You know, that's he, the only way to get things done in life. He needed the confidence boost. That's that's for sure. So, anyways, then they show him. He he obviously goes on to do some shows with the band, tours with them for a while, even though he was still in the army. So, obviously, he's gone AWOL at this point. And then he eventually gets arrested, and then they dishonorably discharge him from the military. The military, which disgraces his father, and his father's like, "You're no son of mine. You're not welcome back here." So I wonder. He doesn't even really get to see his mom. It's sad. Yeah, and I wondered if that was—is that the punishment for going AWOL? Because it seems like there would be some like actual time in prison in military jail. Obviously, I've never been in the military, but wouldn't wouldn't they be like, oh, you ran away, so we'll officially make it so that you know you don't have to come back? I don't know. It just seems. I I don't know what happens or what would have happened in 87 um, when someone well, went AWOL. Would, I guess this would take, have taken place, though, in the 70s sometime. Oh, no, early uh, 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah early 80s. Yeah. Yeah, but, you true. know, Vietnam is over. Um, they don't draft people anymore by this point. There, there weren't a ton of conflicts that required people to be in the army. Like, I mean, there were obviously some, but not, like, ongoing state of war type of things. So I guess probably if you went AWOL, they were just like, whatever, get out. Uh, yeah, mm. that's a good point. There's a scene where Nirvana is practicing and Riot starts playing lead guitar and the the singer of the band is like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be playing rhythm. He's like, I'm, I'm better than that. I'm better than you. And he's like, no, you're not taking over my band, man. He's like, well, I guess I'm going to have to form my own band. And he takes Minx with him. Well, technically, Minx leaves with him. Right. And and it's really interesting because Minx is not yet even her Minxy self. You know? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because you would you get the feeling from the way that Minx is always like, oh, right, this is the perfect man, and blah, blah. She's all, all, like, all about him, that she would have been that way. But basically, she makes a pretty rational argument. She's like, but look, we weren't that good when he was gone. So don't let him leave. And he's like, shut up, woman, or whatever. And then she's like, okay, well, I'm going with him because he's clearly a, a really good musician and he's going to go far and the rest of you losers aren't. But she doesn't go like, don't leave me the perfect man. No. And I'm like, okay, this is so weird. Like yeah. everybody's mm-hmm. weirdly not quite in character yet. Right. And I like how they actually show this little montage, but he talks about how he also had to take odd jobs to survive and then they talk about how they had to play on the streets of Europe and then soon Rapture joined them and they end up uh you know touring around playing these these tiny little dive bars including Le Rock Club. Yes, every that's a, fancy that's a place thing. has le in front of it mm-hmm. like le club cool. Mhm. Le Rock Club, le club cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had to play in the streets to to make enough money to eat. Well, that's what happens. It's a good survival story. But clearly, but you know what? I I don't know if I believe that they needed to play on the streets to make enough money to eat. What they needed to play on the streets for that money for was to get enough hair gel. You see all that hair? 
like slowly mm. Riot grows this mane of hair mm-hmm. and Minx already has a mane of hair and then Rapture I think her hair is a little less long when they first start out and then it gets like, like clearly they were playing for hair gel that's what that money from the street was from they knew the accolades could sustain them but hair gel hair gel does not have a true replacement so we get our next music video from the stinger is called it's a hard hard life I would say as they show them playing on the streets in Europe in the snow for pennies for hair gel for hair gel <laughs> is this a new song it's a, it is a new song uh-huh. like this song and the next song are new songs for some reason we get that silly repeat song at the beginning but this song's a new song this song i like i don't like it as much as i've loved other stinger songs especially not the one that comes next but this one actually is is pretty good it's a good song. I mean, I like all of the Stinger songs. I, I you know, I, we said this in the previous episode, but I don't think there's ever been a Stinger song that I did not like. Yeah, it, it's it's okay, and it, I mean, it does a good job, I think, of illustrating the uh, struggles of life on the musical street. Indeed. And you know what? I one of the things I like about this, and sort of the message of of what Jem later says to. Riot's father is that, you know, being in a band does require some work, you know, that you don't just sort of show up one day with your chest exposed and, and have ladies throwing their panties at you. I mean, the reason why ladies are throwing their panties is because, you know, you've worked hard at your craft to become somebody worthy of having being like a panty thrown at statue. And and so they did work hard um, and they they played well together and they made songs and stuff like that so i like that like they do emphasize that even creative pursuits require discipline and hard work mm-hmm. yeah absolutely is there anything about the music video that uh, that stood out for the two of you that you want to talk about no not me nah yeah it was pretty okay. run of the mill i thought you no know, it's funny you mention le club cool or whatever but after the music video they actually get an invitation to play at club cool in the united states no, it's Le Club Cool. That's that's where they went in the Stinger yeah. State Town. They went to Le mm-hmm. Club Cool. Yeah. That's, that's but the what invitation. invitation it like the invitation that they got just says Club Cool. I don't know if that's a mistake. The or le they is meant implied. Le. le is implied. And I guess at this point they feel like they've made it. You know, this is a big thing to have to go to the United States. I guess this. I guess Club Cool is a big a big deal. It's a big venue. Means something. Yeah, because, I mean, think about it. When the Stingers showed up, like, people knew who they were enough for both Jerrica and Eric Raymond to show up at Le Club Cool to see them. Yeah. And 50 million women showed up to throw their panties. (laughs) (laughs) And so basically, this is the end of Riot's story. And this is an interesting moment because as he finishes telling his story, Jem goes up to him. I guess she's, she seems really touched by the whole story and she grabs his face and it looks like she's going in for a kiss and Riot pulls back and says, I I gotta go see my mother. I was a little surprised. Weird. It's, yeah, is the appropriate response, but coming from him. Exactly. Yeah, it's, and again, Jem, what are you doing? What are you doing? What, what are you doing, What Jim? is she ever doing? Just, oh my God. She just, she's constantly, she, she seems like she gets infatuated with certain guys. Maybe infatu- infatuated is not the right term, but she she's interested in other guys. And it doesn't seem like she's really that serious with, with Rio because they go back and forth. Like there, there's the whole jealousy well, aspect with him. And then it, it's just. It's, it's not even just that because again, you know, she's polyamorous clearly. Because as I've said many times, she's in a she's in a poly triad with herself. Yeah, but not if they not. She's not aware of it, and they're not consenting, right? So. Well, but no, no, no. She is aware of it, and they are consenting. Everybody has consented to everything that's gone on. So that's why it's a little bit weird that the the weird relationship that she has with Riot, because quite honestly, she could just be like, "Fine, Gem is dating Riot." Jerrica is dating Rio. That's just the way it's going to be. Because for Rio, he doesn't know that Jem is Jerrica. And so Rio would just think, oh, well, my second girlfriend has decided to date another man. You know, whatever. But but that's not how it plays out. But So it's like, 
if she wants to have a relationship with Raya, if she wants to have a romantic relationship with him, that would be fine if she didn't keep going back and forth on right. what she wanted. Like, because and if she communicated. Yeah. Cause like she said to him, no, I am not for you. Go away. And he then did, even though he vowed secretly that he would have her. But then when she walks into a room and he doesn't immediately start like trying to put his hand up her dress, she gets upset about it. It's like, mm-hmm. but you told him no, like it, stop, just stop. You have to communicate and you have to decide what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. The next scene, Riot heads to the hospital to, to check out his mom, who I think is in a coma, right? And they, they, they don't really know what's wrong with her. The doctor said they have to run some extended tests. And, of course, Riot is arguing with his father. His father blames Riot. And they walk out of the hospital and Jam is furious and says, I can't believe the two of you are still arguing. I had a problem with this scene. And I don't like how Jam equally blames Riot for this. When it's clearly not. It's his father. And she should have backed him up. That's true. But also, well, the, the mom woke up. And that, and then they started arguing, and then, like, her heart started, you know, fluctuating or whatever. And that they got thrown the doctor, out of the hospital yeah. at that point. The doctor told like, not to come back. Right. Okay. Right. Like, that's right. like, get out, get out of here. Um. And yeah. And for Jem to yell at them both equally, like that was that was kind of messed up because clearly it was Riot's dad who was antagonizing Riot. Yeah. And Jem, uh, obviously, Jem is frustrated here. She's talking to the holograms here, but how. You know, it's like, I don't understand why we like, what is it going to take for the two of these people to, you know, really talk to each other? So here's my thing. Why didn't any of the holograms say to her, honey, this isn't any of your damn business. Back off. Like she just inserted herself into the situation and, you know, fine, whatever. She was worried about, right. Okay. If we give her that, which is not exactly true, but if we give her that, the fact that she then yells at the two of them for how they acted is like, excuse me, but do you, do you even go here? Mm-hmm. Get the heck out of their business, woman. Ah, ah. Aja should have at least been like, honey, it's not even your lane. Stay out of it. Yep, I agree. Why did Jim show up at the hospital in a nurse's outfit to talk to his mother? Because one of the holograms stupidly suggested that they go ask Riot's mother what she thinks about the whole situation. I couldn't forget who that, that even was. No, I know, but couldn't she do that as jet? Like, why did she need to disguise herself as a nurse? It was after visiting hours. Oh, okay. Okay, that does make sense. So, Jim, you know, she decides to go talk some sense, I guess, into Riot's father and he looks surprised to see Jem, you know, and he's like, oh, did Rory put you up to this? And she's, you know, she says, no, I came on my own. And then he didn't say to her, it's none of your business, get out. Yeah, and she explains to him, she says, you know, you and both you and Riot are killing her. And of course, right, again, that's what the mom said in her still, sleep. She was like mumbling about how yeah. like she could deal with the two of them fighting. Yeah, and he's still in denial. He's like, yeah, well, my son Rory is living this undisciplined life. And Jem actually finally backs him up and says, no, he actually worked really hard to get to where he is and explains the whole situation about how, you know, he put the time in to learn his instrument. He's got a lot of talent and his band is popular for a reason, but it doesn't... I don't get the sense that his father, like, I don't think his father really understands how popular the band is. I mean, he's just ignorant. He doesn't, he, he doesn't want to pay attention. Doesn't go to his concerts. Well, well, yeah, but also given the, I mean, the Stingers are like a really popular band, whatever, but I'm sure his father doesn't actually read things or watch any television that would indicate that to him. You know, like it, where would he yeah. even have learned that? Right. It seems like for just a brief second, though, Jem manages to get through to to him because when she says, you know, he he actually worked really hard and he did, he was not willing to give up. And for a second, he kind of like snaps out of it and he's like, whoa, really? Is that is wow? He really did. And I'm wondering why that why it was that that took that kind of snapped him out of it. Because she basically made it sound like 
Riot learn how to be disciplined from his father. Like she says to him, ah. you know, the work that he did took a lot of discipline and somewhere along the way, somebody must have taught him that. Mm. And I was like, Clever. whatever. I'm really tired of her trying to act as if this, like, again, like they're, they're both at fault. And also the mom, well, see, I understand sort of the mom being like, oh, I wish my son and my husband or whatever. But I'm like, what you should really be wishing for is that somebody um, make sure that your husband goes to jail and then you never have to see him again. But, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. That's not the direction we're going, apparently. Yeah, no. And Jem tries to have a little pep talk with Riot, you know, just for the sake, uh, you know, at least for the sake of his mother and her health, you know, you should really try to get along with your father and try to patch things up or whatever. And Riot's like, well, no, he's never, he's never made an effort to spend time with me. He's never made an effort to appreciate what I do. So why should I bother to? So, and, and, and also I, and he's, he's abusive. Yeah, that too. But I, and I, and I, I guess I can kind of see Jem's side too, that it's like, yeah, that your father may be at fault too, but also this isn't really helping the situation. <sighs> I, you know, at this point I really felt like I was like, Jem, you have become a first class meddler. Like you're, you're like mm -hmm. Mary Worth level of meddling in this mm -hmm. and also Mary Worth level of clueless in your meddling because yeah, like she's like, you know, you have to reach out to your father, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, but his father's literally abusive. Like that's, that's the problem. The problem isn't that they are fighting and that they can't stop fighting. The problem is, is that Riot's father abused him as a child and he is mad that he cannot continue to control and abuse him as an adult. Yeah. And, and that's really what the problem is. So I find this really frustrating. And I also kind of feel like, I wonder if this was even, you know, the intention of the writer. Like, I wonder what the first draft of the script looked like. And I wonder how much things got softened in, in rewrites and suggestions and edits and whatnot, because it just, it feels really weird for them to portray Riot's father in this manner. And then for them to be like, but they need to, they need to both come together. I'm like, hmm. Well, I think it's supposed to be about you do, I don't know, like that, that American value, I guess. I don't know. It's probably not an American value, but that's where I grew up. So, but that value of when a crisis happens, you're supposed to set everything aside and take care of the immediate thing at hand um, and forget 30 years of abuse. Um, so I, I feel like it, it was it was hitting those notes. Um, and again, especially I think in the 80s when people didn't talk about domestic violence like like we do now. And we do a terrible job of talking about it now. But even, you know, it was worse then. Um, so I think it feels weird to us through our our lens of, you know, again, it's 2017. And the way we think about these things is very different but, you know, 30 years ago, it, I feel like it would have been more about, okay, you do what it takes to get the person out of the hospital and then you deal with all of the crap later. Or you pretend that the crap never happened and you live your lives and you just silently resent your abuser forever, but you don't go to therapy because we can't acknowledge things like that. And anyway, that's what I get from this episode is this kind of this sense of all right, we're going to do what it takes or you should do what it takes to reconcile for the sake of your mother um, slash wife and then, you know, ignore everything else forever. Yeah. So I was actually a little surprised by this, but suddenly in this next scene, obviously whatever Jem said to Riot's father got through to him because he he's like, okay, fine, I'll... I'll go to one of the Stinger's concerts and you you see him sit down and next to uh, next to another guy and the guy looks at him and he's like, hey, Gramps likes the Stingers. Give me five, man. And he's like, not in your life. So really, son, you don't know what give me five means. I just, it, that was such a moment where I was like, is he, he can't be this clueless. Yeah. Like, give me five has been a yeah. euphemism for, you know, the hand slap since forever. Yeah. Like, and, and the wall, <laughs> and, and his, and the wall that he, that he always puts up in front of him kind of goes down 
for like just a a moment there because when the guy's like no you 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 don't understand I'm like not not looking for because he actually says you know get a job and he's like no you you misunderstand me I just wanted to shake your hand and he's like oh 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 okay it's just it's cringeworthy it was it was just, yeah. just a weird moment and then he he actually says well I guess the the, the stingers are kind of popular eh it's like really wow. That ten thousand like, people sir, in this stu- right? in this arena this, didn't didn't give it away. Arena. Oh my god, that's hilarious! How did he even get I, in? I don't. Know. How did he get in? Yeah, I wondered that too. Yeah, well, he bought it and ticket, not crappy I guess. seats. Yeah, but he's not like in the nosebleed seats or whatever. He, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So we get the last song of this music video. Let me be a little montage of Baby Riot's life. Oh my god, you guys, this song. I started crying I when, love, I, when this came on. I, this song, I love this song. I love it so much. And and the guy who does the performance is just like this is this is peak riot. Like this is mm-hmm. this is Riot's entire purpose in life is to sing this song. And yeah, like there are parts of it that made me cry, but like the the part that always gets me, that always sends chills down my spine is when he says let me fly, let me touch your heart and make you cry. And then they have like people in the audience going like, ah, like, oh my God. <laughs> I love this song so much. <laughs> it's a good I song. Really strong, really strong song. And not just from a, not judging this by like cartoon standards, like this is just a good song. Like that could be on the radio in the 80s. <laughs> in the 80s. In the 80s, yeah. But no, I agree. Like, it's one of the few songs, I think, in the whole, like, Gem of the Holograms, like, show repertoire. There have been, like, a few songs where I feel like that song could have been on the radio. Like, it's, it's you know, it, it, it has a sentiment that's not so completely tied to the show that it wouldn't make sense out of context. And it's, like, nicely written and performed and all that. You know, it kind of reminded me of his voice and that song just kind of reminded me of George Michael. Seems hmm. like something. I'd that... have to rewatch it with that in mind. Yeah. So after the concert, his father goes backstage, and of course the security guards won't let him in. And he's like, "No, you don't understand. I'm I'm Riot's father." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." And I'm and Madonna's my sister. You're not getting in, pal. That made me laugh. And Jem's like, "No, it did make me laugh. He is, he is Riot's father." And then the guy's horribly embarrassed. He is. Oh well. Yeah. And so we're coming up to the the end of the episode here. Riot and his father finally end up sort of, I guess, patching things up and they ended up going to the hospital and uh, his mother's awake, I guess, seems to be doing better. And she seems to be happy that the two of them are there and not yelling at each other. Imagine that. It's a banner day. She wakes up from a coma and everything is going to be okay because they said so. And they're both holding her hand and they say that they're going to stop fighting. And she believes them and walks away from the light. Because she was definitely going toward that light, yo. Mm-hmm. She was going toward the light. She was like, I've had enough of this. I've had a whole lifetime of abuse. But she came back from the light because... Yeah. They were. Yeah. See, and that's... Again, I feel like... I feel really sorry for this woman. I'm like, I don't want you to... To be like, oh, great, my husband and son are getting along. I want you to be like, Riot, now that you're an international superstar with millions of dollars, help me escape from this terrible marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, any other closing comments about this episode? What do you think? I-, I thought this was up there with some of the the stronger episodes. I mean, one of my personal favorite episodes is Alone Again. And I think this is up there in terms of quality and, and just the because of the subject matter. I just like these these really dark Episodes yeah, that deal with, with complex subject matter. I do think um, it is one of the better written episodes. The things make sense in a way that they don't in some other episodes. Um, I don't agree with the things as they're making sense. But, you know, oftentimes I watch and I'm kind of scratching my head because I'm like, I don't understand how they got from point A to point B. Um, so this has was better, I guess, in that regard than, than others. Um, so yeah, I like, I like it overall. I like seeing, I like seeing baby riot. I think he's super cute. Um, I just kind of wish that there was more of a, like, Hey, this is a domestic violence situation. We should address this 
and talk, you know, uh, do something, even if it's, even if it's just gem mentioning and passing. So when are you all seeing the family therapist, you know? They like, really should have something. had a PSA at the end of this episode. They really should have. And I don't yeah, know, I don't know if did. it was cut from the DVD release or whatever, or the Netflix version doesn't have it, but it, it feels like there should be something there. Well, the, the Netflix versions never have any of the PSA. Oh, like, they don't. The only, the only time that I think that they included this, the PSA information was in Alone Again. And I think maybe that was because it was part of the episode as opposed to the little interstitial things. Because I can't remember on the DVD, but I think even on the DVD, all the PSAs are like shunted off into like a special thing, like DVD extra section. Like they're not at the end of the episodes, at least not in the DVDs that I have. Okay. I don't remember. You guys, I mean, just rewatching just because it's just easier to stream it but i do have the newer box set not the original rhino release but uh, i think it's the shout factory release which i think fixed some things so i I don't know i'd have to go back and look at those yeah i only have the shout factory of season three because i had the rhino versions of uh, seasons one and two um or at season one and season two part one and then they stopped um but yeah, I and I can't remember when I was a kid because I only saw this episode maybe once um, and not even all the way through. Like I didn't even see the beginning of this episode. And so I was very confused. And I came in the middle. I'm like, what is going on? So, um, but yeah, because it, it's like I, I, I did wonder as I, we were going through this episode whether or not the the discussion, the addressing of the domestic violence situation was in the first draft. And then the, the draft was shown to people and they were like, Oh, we can't, you know, say he's an abuser. We can't say that because it's children's television. So it kind of gets watered down. So I feel like for the resolution that eventually we ended up with, perhaps Riot's father should not have been abusive. You know, like he -hmm. could have been some tough, like manly man without actually being abusive. You know, he could or, or you know, they could have done it a different way to just show that, you know, he just he's just one of those dudes who just feels like this is the one way to be a man. But it doesn't necessarily have to involve like clearly domestic violence. And then he realizes there are many ways to be a man or whatever it is. I mean, one thing this show is, you know, oddly like they they often show us what is wrong with toxic masculinity without actually addressing toxic masculinity directly. You notice that? Mm-hmm. Like, there are all those things, like all those times with Rio, even those times with, like, Jeff and Sean and Kimber and all that stuff. Like, there's often just this, you know, condemnation of toxic masculinity, but not an outright one. So I feel like, again, you sort of get this, because the, the dad is, you know, toxic masculinity. Yep. Like, embodied. You know, that's what that's all about. Um, and oddly enough, Riot isn't, even though Riot in, in many other episodes has also been the embodiment of toxic masculinity. So it, I don't know. Maybe something went on in the editing that sort of made the end not quite match up with the beginning as well as somebody would have intended. All good points. Well, we're out mm-hmm. of time and we've got another episode to do. The last one of the entire series. Are you guys, you guys ready? Have you are have you, you guys, is your body ready for this? <laughs> Next week, it's the last episode of the whole series. <laughs> it's okay, Tempest. We're I want to send you cookies, you. Tempest. Yeah, it's I don't know. I'm sad. It's a weird episode too. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Exactly. You've been listening to the Gemcast on Hologram Radio. I'm Alex Knight, joined by Aline Sims, as always, who is still podcasting these days. What are you, what are you doing with podcasting, Aline? Oh, I just mostly stuff on the Incomparable Network. Um, some like funny, weird game shows and uh, occasionally, you know, discussing pop culture. My thoughts on things in pop culture. Pop culture is good. You have many thoughts on pop culture. Many thoughts. All the great thoughts. And people can find your writing on AleneMean.com and follow you on yep. Twitter at Aline, A-L-E-E-N. That's me. It's nice having such a simple username. Yeah, I'm trying to get that on Instagram because that is not oh, my good Instagram. Luck with that. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> and Kate Tempest 
Bradford. You can check out all of her writing on ktempestbradford.com, which is the uh, sort of a portal into everything that she does, her writing and her YouTube channel. What are you doing these days, Tempest? Anything you'd like to plug? No, it's so hard getting back into doing things after Mm -hmm. having such a hard end of the year last year. So I'm very slowly working my way back into things that I am doing. Okay, well, as far as this show is concerned, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Gem Podcast, Gem Podcast on Facebook, of course. And subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or wherever you can find podcasts like Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher, and TuneIn, and all those fancy places. If you can take a moment to leave us a rating, that would be sincerely appreciated. It makes us feel good and also helps other people find the podcast, other gem fans. And if you'd like to show your support for what we do here, go to patreon.com forward slash hologram radio and become a sustaining donator every month. That is the single best way to show your support, which helps us cover our uh, regular costs like our hosting and bandwidth and all that sort of stuff. Well, that's it for this week. Show's over, Synergy. Hello, this is Alex Knight from Hologram Radio here to tell you about a fun new podcast that we recently launched called Serial Sommelier. Each week, David Kahlo and a guest select a random episode of a much-beloved 1970s and 1980s Saturday morning cartoon series, review the episode, have some laughs, and of course, pair the perfect sugar cereal with it. Subscribe to Serial Sommelier today in iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and of course, wherever you can find your favorite podcasts.